Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to support the podcast. There's a new feature where you can send me a text message and let me know how the podcast has helped you. You can find this link at the top of every episode's description. You can also go to my website, ascending-minds.com, and you can register for the support group and my newsletter. You can also get a free copy of my guide to dealing with repeated questions. Now on with the episode. Does your loved one ask you the same questions over and over? Do you feel angry, frustrated, or just tired of answering these same questions over and over again? Do you sometimes later feel guilty or upset with yourself on how you handled these repeated questions? If this sounds familiar, this episode is for you. Welcome to the Surviving Alzheimer's Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Cardita. In this podcast, I share with you my experiences and learnings from the last 13 years as I've walked by the side of my dear wife, Shanna, as she progresses through Alzheimer's disease. It is my desire that you'll find joy and peace while learning to live with your loved one's disease and not let the disease define you or your loved one. The Surviving Alzheimer's Podcast is brought to you by Ascending Minds, LLC. Welcome to Episode 34 of the Surviving Alzheimer's Podcast. This is the last episode for the year 2023. Today in this episode, we'll discuss the topic of our loved one's repeated questions. Some of the things that I will discuss is why our loved ones even do this to begin with. And why when we feel triggered, we automatically respond with sometimes negative emotions and actions. I'll talk about what you can do to change how you respond and hopefully improve your situation with your loved one. And stay tuned until the end, where I'll talk about a free gift a free guide that I've put together on this very topic. Before we get into today's topic, I wanted to share just a few end-of-year thoughts, this being the last episode of 2023. Back in episode 31, I did share some of my feelings and learnings in doing the podcast over the last year. I'd like to share with you now just a few results that I received recently from my podcast host provider, Buzzsprout. They are one of the largest podcast hosting providers. At the end of 2023, the Surviving Alzheimer's podcast was in the top 50% of all of the Buzzsprout podcasts. Incidentally, they host over 100,000 podcasts. I'm ecstatic that the Surviving Alzheimer's podcast is in the top 50% of all their podcasts. Another interesting fact is that this podcast is listened to in over 21 countries all over the world, predominantly in the United States. As I record this in the last week of 2023, To date, over 9,000 episode downloads have occurred, and the first three episodes, when you combine their total downloads, is at about 2,200 downloads. 
When I started this podcast, I never would imagine that it would reach so far and so wide. And thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and family. I really appreciate it. All right, let's get into the topic of repeated questions from our loved ones. I will say it has been a few years since I've dealt with this. The period of time that this really started was in the very beginning. That was, in fact, the first behavior that Shanna started to do that alerted us that something may be wrong, and we went to our first neurologist. Now, back then, she would just ask a simple question of, what are we doing later today, or are the kids coming over, and would just simply forget that. That is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when our loved ones have gotten to the point with their dementia that they are asking and worried and very concerned about things and asking questions literally minutes after they've just asked the other question. And this may be before or after a diagnosis. That really doesn't matter. So when we get these questions over and over, why are our loved ones doing this? Most of the time, they're confused and they're trying to get to some state of resolution, familiarity, to feel secure about what's going on. They're very anxious about whatever the event or the question is about. They're looking to be comforted. What causes this? The deterioration of their brain makes it difficult to make sense of their world. As the dementia attacks the brain, it destroys portions of the brain that help them to remember, that help them to understand. And I can't even imagine what it feels like. I've only witnessed it from the a front row seat. And I've just noticed, and I remember, Shannon just used to be so anxious and concerned and very fixated on particular topics from time to time. And at the time, I really didn't understand this. It was only later as I learned more about Alzheimer's disease and the different behaviors that are, I'll call them typical, and that this is just part of the journey. A lot of times they're expressing concern, asking for help, or trying to cope with this anxiety and insecurity that they're feeling. We always need to remember that they are not doing this on purpose. They are not trying to agitate you on purpose. They're just trying to get resolution for something they're concerned about. So how do you respond when this happens? Do you get really upset? Do you lash out? This is called being triggered. And when we are triggered, it's like they're pushing a button on us. And when they push that button, we automatically react without thinking. So when I use the term being triggered, 
that's the scenario. Now, we can be triggered for all kinds of different things. And most of us walk around with a box full of buttons that we allow people to trigger us with. We can talk more about triggering a little bit later and what we can do about removing the triggers. But why, in the first place, might you be triggered while you're in your caregiving role? My guess would be the number one cause of this is what I would call caregiver burnout. If you're feeling fatigued, stressed out, totally lost your patience, like you're at the end of your rope, it's very easy to slip back into triggered mode, even if you've been working on trying to remove the triggers. Oftentimes, you may be having a sense of fear that these repeated questions will never end. And you worry about how it's going to get worse and how it might happen in the future. Oftentimes, we're on what I call autopilot. We react without thinking. And our negative reactions become automatic. And to change the situation, you have to reprogram them. And we'll talk about how to do that in just a little bit. For me, one of the things that was very common back then was I was in denial. I was in denial that Shanna's dementia had progressed to a certain point. This was very common in the pre-diagnosis stage. As she continued to go downhill and we didn't quite have a diagnosis, I just didn't want to admit that it was getting worse. So if I emphatically told her the answer to her question over and over, I was subconsciously hoping she'd remember and, quote, get better or at least level out. But the reality is we have no control over what's going on with our loved ones, especially when they're going through their stages of dementia. This false sense of hope that I would try and get when I could help her to remember something, this also manifests itself when I would try and reteach her to do something like to do the laundry and operate the, the washing machine and dryer. I figured if I can teach her to do stuff that she once knew, she would, quote unquote, be getting a little bit better. I realized after months and months of doing this, the disease always wins in the end, and we just need to adapt and cope with the changes that our loved one is having. Now let's go back and talk a little bit about being triggered. If you are getting triggered and upset, you need to realize that this is your problem and not your loved one's problem. Your loved one, believe it or not, is not trying to upset you. They're just confused. Once you own the fact that this is your issue and also realize that you are the one who has the capacity to change and your loved one really does not, that was to me a very important thing to figure out that I had the capacity and brain power and control to change. And Shanna was just trying her best. Now, when I learned about how our thoughts affect our emotions, and of course our emotions 
trigger our actions. I learned all this as I started to get coached and trained as a, to be a faith-based life coach. And as I learned these things and how all this worked, it helped me to understand better on how I may be able to improve how I would respond. But first, I had to realize that it's going to take time and effort to learn not to be triggered, to remove triggers. The process of removing triggers works on any kind of trigger. And you can do it with practice. I teach people who I coach these techniques. And it takes a while to work on them. But once you gain this skill of removing triggers, you can apply it to multiple areas of your life. And you always have to remember that you're 100% accountable for your own behavior and that your triggers are your issues and not other people's. So how might we improve our response? You need to realize that when you are triggered and you automatically respond, you lose your power. You lose your ability to choose how you're going to respond. So let's say in a perfect situation, what would be the way you would like to respond? How might we best respond to our loved one? Try and focus on their emotions. What state of mind might they be feeling? Are they anxious? Are they concerned? Rather than focusing on the words, because it's the words that are repeated. That's just our loved one's way of communicating what they're concerned about. Once you understand what they're feeling, you can provide an answer. And you always should provide an answer. Never say, I just told you that. And how you say the answer is very important too. Your tone of voice matters more than your words. I would suggest that you keep your answers brief. And always learn to validate their feelings. You empathize with their feelings and concerns. And you never argue. You never argue with what they're saying or how they remember it. And once they've calmed down and not in a state of confusion, it's always good a good idea to redirect them to and engage them with an activity that they're comfortable with to get their mind off of the subject. And after it's over, you need to probably cool off and relax a little bit. Here's where some deep breathing and stress relief activities like exercise come in really handy. You have to learn to accept this behavior from our loved ones and work with it. Try and develop a sense of gratitude for your loved one that they can still talk and communicate with you. I know that might sound funny. I remember Shanna was very chatty on our walks many times. In fact, we would walk for an hour and I don't think she would take two minutes to be quiet and ask questions and do all that kind of stuff. And at the time, it was hard to be happy and cheerful and respond to her. But I will tell you this, many years later, 
I would love to have another opportunity to go on a walk with her and have her talk because she hasn't really talked a whole lot in three years. And I really miss that. While your loved one still can talk, be grateful for it. Also, as you're making progress along the way, congratulate yourself that you made it through another episode of your loved one asking our repeated questions. How do we go about removing these triggers? I will briefly go over what I go over in my coaching sessions. You need to reprogram your brain and remove the triggers. You're typically triggered when you hear that question over again, and your default program or your response is to feel frustrated and causing you to react in some negative way. For me, I would give sarcastic answers. I would be a little spiteful in some of my answers. I would sometimes even be ridiculous in some of my answers. It was my way of relieving my stress. It surely didn't help Shannon. And I actually felt really bad when I did that. However you choose to react, if it's in a negative way, you can fix it. So when you retrain your brain, you can feel different once you're triggered. You can learn to replace that frustration with feeling empathy for your loved one and then responding in a positive manner. So how do you do this? The reprogramming basics. The first thing you need to learn to do is what I call hit the pause button. As soon as you feel that emotion well up, and it may be within a microsecond of your loved one asking that question again, you got to stop. You got to pause. You got to hit that pause button, and then I suggest taking three deep breaths and not saying a word. And then while you're pausing, you need to stop and remember why this is happening and how you want to respond. And hopefully you have figured out how you want to respond prior to this happening. And a good way to do that is uh, in the quiet time when it's just you can figure out how you want to respond in general to these questions and this activity. And visualize seeing yourself doing it that way. Now, once you remember how you want to respond, then you can focus on their emotions, give brief answers, validate their emotions, and then move them on to something that will keep them busy and then you can cool off. The key thing is understanding how you want to respond when you're not in the heat of the moment. That is something that I explain further in my free guide to responding to repeated questions. This guide is a presentation that I put together, and it is available for free from my website. So go to my website, www.ascending-minds.com. That's A-S-C-E-N-D-I-N-G hyphen or dash M-I-N-D-S dot com. You can go there to receive your free copy of this guide. It takes what I've talked about here in this episode and goes a little bit deeper on the mechanics of how to reprogram and 
and how to change your response. One thing I want to leave with you is that this effort of removing triggers takes quite a bit of time. It took me probably a couple of months to start to understand and get this to work. I learned about this when I took some introductory classes from my coach and mentor. And then I started putting this to use. It's when I put it to use and tried to remove triggers in various parts of my life that I started to understand how this worked. And when I then applied it to this particular situation is when I started to actually make some progress. And it took me a couple of months on and off to just remember to do it and to see some changes in my behavior, which then, interestingly enough, caused Shanna to be less anxious over time because I would just be more reassuring to her and I would not blow up and upset her more. But it did take a couple of months of constant focus and practice before I saw lasting results. And I would guess it took me about three months or so where this was the way I learned to respond almost all of the time. I hope this has helped you in some way. If you're going through this or if you know of a family member who is going through this, please share this episode and the guidebook with them. And this was a huge turning point for me in my caregiver journey. Up until this point, I was just trying to cope and deal with the day-to-day stress. It was at this point where I began to take control over how I was choosing to be a caregiver. And that really improved Shanna and I's relationship and experience and allowed me to be her full-time caregiver for a few more years, even when her dementia and Alzheimer's symptoms and behaviors got more intense. It's about time to wrap this episode up. I hope it was helpful to you. Again, if you're interested in getting the free guidebook that I put together, please go to the website. Thanks again for a great year. I'm really looking forward to sharing more experiences and learnings in the year to come. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Surviving Alzheimer's Podcast. Now, if you're new to this podcast, I recommend you listen to the first 13 episodes as they give our backstory and help you understand some of the things we talk about in the later episodes. The mission of the Surviving Alzheimer's Podcast is to educate and inspire caregivers, family, and friends who are on their own unique journey down Dementia Road with their loved ones. I'd really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with anyone who you think it would benefit. And thank you for your support. Before you go, I'd just like to invite you and remind you of the things that we have to offer from Ascending Minds, LLC. You can go to our website, www.ascending-minds.com, and you can register for the Surviving Alzheimer's Support Group. You can register for our newsletter. You can also get a free copy of the guide to responding to our loved ones' repeated questions. You can find links to all this in the episode description, or you can just go to the website and look at the menu. 
Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.